Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. I want to open up today by saying something that's sort of, it's, it's definitely in my heart, but I, I feel that it, it need not just rest in my heart, I need to express it. Since you are all honorary Smith family members, just so that you know, in our household, the rule is that you never let anything rest in your heart. If something's on your heart, you get it out on the table before family and let family help you work that out. So here we go. You know, 2019, the ministry has given a decree that 2019 is the year of stability, and that's the decree across all campuses. Now, if you've been staying up to speed on the messages across all campuses, you will know that the subtopic is relationships. Here at Wesley Chapel, to the casual listener, to the casual observer, some might feel or think that we're, we're teaching here something different. But that's not the case. That's only to the casual listener. So for the benefit of everyone, just to make sure we're all on the same page, and in case there are any skeptics, let's talk about very briefly where we are. We began 2019 by saying what? That we want you to have resolve. That we want us to all be those people who when we set a goal, we finish that goal. We don't want the goal that we set this year to be the same as the goal we set last year to be the same as the goal we're gonna set again this year because we just can't finish. You know what, that, that sounds like being stable to me. We also, as a matter of fact, right now, we're talking to you about, you know what, we need to make sure that you, you have that uncommon common sense. That you become a believer that believes God in the face of the impossible that the possible can get done. How do you get that? How do you become uncommon? You become uncommon by building up your trust in God. Building up your trust that God is in control of every situation. Hey, don't miss that. That's stability building material right there. In addition, when you build a trust in God, your trust in God gives you a testimony. And once you start getting your own personal testimony, baby girl, we really starting to talk about stability now because there is nothing stronger than standing in your present with presence, present time with evidence of what God has done to give you encouragement of what God can do. We're talking about making you, making you stable. You see, that kind of confidence in what God has done, giving you the ability to look at what God can do, that kind of confidence is not easily broken. And with confidence like that, whenever the devil comes your way and tells you that you can't make it, you hold on to your testimony and you look him in the eye and tell him, oh, yes, I can. When he tries to convince you that you're down and out, you and your testimony can stand there and tell him, oh, no, we're going to make it. Amen. When the situation tries to paint you a picture that you are a failure, 
you and your testimony on how you've already succeeded in the past can look at that situation and say, absolutely not. I am no failure. I am more than a conqueror. Amen. Whenever you are in a situation that your heart tries to tell you that God has abandoned you, your testimony and the way God has come through for you in the past can talk to yourself that, oh, no, my God is still there. Amen. Also, what we said is, you know what? When it comes to that testimony, you be proud of that testimony. Because having your testimony just the sheer fact that you have that testimony, you know what that does? That shores up your patience. That strengthens your commitment. That undergirds your faith. You and your power-packed testimony, you stand together as a force. A force to be reckoned with. A force that the devil can't do nothing with. Why? Because we already overcome that rascal by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. We also said, by the way, make sure you share that testimony with others, which branches us out into the relational. Now, I admit, a large part of what we've been discussing today has to do with us, the individual, you, me, not the collective, but the you. And that's on purpose. It's on purpose, and it's foundational to any deep discussion that you will ever have about relationship. Because no matter what relationship you are in, no matter what relationship you shall be in, I can tell you for a certainty there is one common element in all of them, and that's you. I don't, I don't know why your last two marriages failed. But I can tell you for a certainty that there is one common element in both of them, and that's you. I don't know why, why for some reason you haven't been able to hold down a job, but I can tell you one thing, in every job you've ever had, and every job you ever have, there is one common element. Look in the mirror, it's you. The best thing that I can do for any relationship that you are in and for any relationship that you shall have is to make sure that you are a better you. The best thing, the absolute best thing that I can do for any relationship involving you is to make sure that you enter that relationship already knowing in your knower, already believing in yourself that you are whole, not walking into a relationship looking for it to complete you. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen as the year of stability. That's exactly what it is. But when I say the year of stability, it it, it, it could get lost in translation when you hear me say that, or you hear somebody just simply say those words. So let's state let's state it more completely. <clears throat> Twenty nineteen is the year your stability begins. 2019 is the year stability in your life becomes certain. It's, 
It does no good. It's not good enough for you just to be stable in 2019. The intent is for stability to be your new normal. I don't want you just stable in 2019. I want you stable in 2020 also. Stable in 2021. Stable in 2022. Stable in 2030. I want you to be stable in 2019 forward. Not just stable right now. You see, when we talk about stability, Stability is all about making sure that you have the right foundation upon which God can build something that can sustain your life to get you the way he wants you to go. He wants you to have a foundation that can sustain what he has for you in your life. We need to be done with building our life on shift and sand. Building our life on simply coming to church and hearing a good message. That don't work for me. I've never built my family on suspect. Uncertainty is how you build a foundation. Uncertainty is how you build a relationship. Uncertainty is how you build a future. Uncertainty is how you build something that's going to last. So, no. We're not teaching anything different here at Wesley Chapel, we're teaching the same thing, just a different way. Just a different way. And rest assured that we have stability in our sights and we locked in. All you got to do is stay with us. That being said, let's move a little further into today. You know, today is the session that we dedicate to one topic, and that topic is trust. For those of you who's been who've been following us, we're in a series of sessions where I give you a statement, a statement designed to refine your common sense. A statement designed to have you look at life and learn. We've done sessions where you get two, even three. Today, just the one. We're going to deal with trust. I want to open up that session this way. What other better way to open up than to talk about me and Greta and the family? The tribe, you know what I mean? Greta and I have three birth children, children that she's birthed, three of them. Two boys and a girl in the middle. Now, my oldest child is named Benjamin. And growing up, that boy used to give the other siblings the business, just being irritating. They all had chores, kitchen, dusting, the bathroom, they all had chores. And they had worked out a little system whereby they would do a role exchange so that the child that liked to do the kitchen would get to do the kitchen. And so we rotated the task, but they worked out another system to where they kind of 
shifting them around to get them done. I told him, you know what? I don't care how you get them done. If you want to, if you want, because that's, that's part of teaching them, right? If you guys are smart enough to kind of figure out a system to where I'm happy, I'm cool with that. The issue is that Benjamin at times would agree to a role swap. Then after the younger two had done his part, he wouldn't come through on his end. So what do you think happened? You know, the slighted child, they gonna come find daddy. They wanna come find daddy, cause daddy, you need to go, you need to straighten Benjamin out. But you know, addressing Benjamin is not what I did most often. Most often what I did was I addressed the slighted child because the slighted child was the one that needed the adjustment. You see, this was an opportunity to develop common sense, and I never, ever miss a developmental opportunity. So when they came my way and they're like, all right, daddy, this is what Benjamin did, I would say, hey, listen, no, I'm not going to deal with Benjamin. Because the problem, the issue, is not as much Benjamin as it is you're not learning. Be wiser. Stop falling for the same scam. If you continue to fall for the same deception, then you yourself become a large part of the problem. You see, you trust Benjamin because he's your brother. That's the wrong reason to trust him. Don't trust him because he's your brother. Trust him because what he says he's going to do lines up with what he does. You see, you're coming to me with a problem, but there's really no problem here. You can handle that for yourself. The issue is that you continue yourself to put yourself in a situation where you have not yet proven your brother trustworthy. So I don't need to step into that. You can handle that on your own come back to me when you have a real problem. Life in the Smith household. With that as the backdrop, let me give you your single common sense statement for today. The statement is this. Trustworthy describes itself in reverse. Trustworthy is one word. Trustworthy describes itself in reverse. You know, people use that word trustworthy on a day-to-day basis. But I often wonder, do they really know and understand what they're saying when they use that word trustworthy? The word trustworthy is a compound word, two words put together to form a single idea. And what's notable about that word trustworthy is that it describes itself in reverse. I thought about how, how, how I can make this clear, how I can get the point across, and I came across an idea, and, I, and I, I, I pray that it makes the point that I want it to make. Let's do a little bit of role play. 
a little imagination, kind of like you used to do when you're a kid. By the way, never stop dreaming. Amen. Never stop imagining. Right. Don't let that just be for kids. Put your mind to work. That's just a little side bonus for you right there. But imagine, I brought in, let me hold that there. Imagine that I'm just a guy. You don't know me. You never seen me before in your life. As my, as my parents used to say, I don't know you from Adam. But let's, let's assume, let's assume that I walk up to you wherever you are, and I have in my hand a gift, just like this gift box I'm here, nicely wrapped in a bow, whatever gift means to you in your mind. And I walk straight up to you and I say, hey, listen, how are you doing? I hope you're having a great day. Isn't it a wonderful day? The sun is shining, the birds are chirping. Oh my God, I thank you for this day. Listen, I would like you to do something for me. I would like for you to give me $1,000 for this gift. Consider that. I'll let you give me $1,000 for this gift. Now, depending on the type of day you're having, depending on whether or not, you know, you really want to give me the time of day, your response may be a frank get out of my face. <laughs> it, may, it may be no words lost between us, but let's assume that for the moment, you're going to entertain me. You're going to give me the time of day. What is your most logical, likely response? What's, what's in the box? <laughs> I work hard for my money. <laughs> right? You, you, I don't, you just, you asking for one with three zeros on it. What's, what, what's, in, the, what's in the box? <laughs> I look back at you and I say, well, I'm not going to tell you what's in the box. I'm not going to tell you what's in the box, but I would like to make this exchange. Can we make this exchange? Your likely response is what? No. I take a step back and I say, hmm, I tell you what. Let me give you something that makes you more comfortable in making this exchange. I notice you seem a little hesitant. You're finding it kind of hard to wrap your arms and wrap your mind around making this deal here. So... Let me give you something that makes you more comfortable. You say, okay, what, what is that? What are you going to give me? I look you dead in your eye, and I just say, I'm going to give you my word. <laughs> I'm going to give you my word. That's what, that what is in the box is worth it. Will you make the exchange? Now, as, as much as you might be trying to be polite, by the time we finish this conversation, more than likely what you end up telling me is this. Hey, listen, bro. I understand you giving me your word. But before I make this exchange, you're going to have to confirm with me and show me that what's in that box is worth it. Before I give you what I have, in exchange for what you are promising me, I have to first understand and know for myself that it's worth it. Family, that's the process of labeling somebody trustworthy. Trust is not a blind exchange. Trust is not a blind exchange. 
On the contrary, trust is a very, very informed exchange. When you think about trust, before I put my confidence in what you say, I must first have some kind of validity that the words you speak have substance beyond the breath they ride on. Before I give you my trust, I got to know that your words are real. I got to know that your promises, that those things are sure. I got to know that your offer is legitimate. Before I give you my trust, I'm going to validate you. My trust comes after you prove yourself worthy, not before. That is why the word trustworthy describes itself in reverse. I call you trustworthy because the history we have together has validated to me that your words are worth my trust. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, King James Version. I want each of us to employ this process of labeling somebody trustworthy in our life. I want you to be cautious about being so quick to provide somebody your full trust without question. Why? Because family, if you continue to fall for the same scam, if you continue to fall for the same deception, you part of the problem. First Thessalonians chapter five, starting in verse 19, King James Version. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. It says, prove all things. It's okay to require a person to prove out their claim of who they say they are before you trust them. Somewhere we've, 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 we've gotten that loss that that's somehow being impolite. No. Why would I give you $1,000 for a box that I'm not looking inside of yet? And you know what? I hope that you okay with that, but you know what? You ain't got to be. That same verse of scripture, Amplified Classic, verse 19. Do not quench, suppress, or subdue the Holy Spirit. Do not spurn the gifts and utterances of the prophets. Do not depreciate prophetic revelations, nor despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning. But test and prove all things. 
until you can recognize, not nobody else, until you can recognize what is good. To that hold fast. Abstain from evil, shrink from it, and keep aloof from it. And whatever form or or whatever kind it may be, examine a person. Test their words. Test their actions. Test their character. Test who they are. Test their commitment. Test and prove them until there are things in them that you can recognize. Test and prove them until there are things that line up with what they say that you know for sure. Test them until you can confirm that they are indeed able and capable and worthy of wearing the label of being called trustworthy. Then if you find something good in that person, you hold on to it. It says hold fast to it. When you find in somebody, somebody that can be trustworthy, you hold on to it. You've heard it said this way. When you are approaching a relationship with somebody, investigate before you invest. You are investing you. You are investing your heart. Listen, you are investing something that might be able to be broken, but not easily repaired. It's up to you to make sure that your introduction into that relationship is safe for you. First Thessalonians, same chapter, same verses in the Message Bible. First Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 19. It says, don't suppress the spirit and don't stifle those who have, who have a word from the master. I love that part, don't suppress the spirit. There are other verses that have the same introduction, but I want to talk about this one. Sometimes when we're talking about investigate before you invest, people can get the feeling, especially believers, that we're asking you to somehow sidestep the spirit. We're not asking you to sidestep the spirit in exchange for the natural. On the contrary, what we're asking you to do is not to over-spiritualize something to the point to where you miss the obvious. We're asking you not to over-spiritualize something. Why? Because when you over-spiritualize something and you trust somebody that you should never have trusted, then what the devil does is use that as an avenue to tell you that, look, God didn't come through for you, and then he misleads you when you should never have trusted that person from the beginning. You end up trusting somebody you never should have trusted, and the devil uses that as an avenue to try to convince you that God misled you when you should have never trusted that person from the beginning. So instead of being in a position where you blame God for your mishap, why don't you try to test and investigate before you trust? So 
when we say don't suppress the spirit, we're not saying take the natural and put it in place of the spirit. We're saying don't you over-spiritualize an engagement with somebody to the point to where you think, well, God got me. Yeah, God got me, but going in, you should have yourself. That's right. Back at verse 19. Message Bible. Don't suppress the spirit and don't stifle those who have a word from the master. On the other hand, what does that say? Don't be gullible. Don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what's good. Throw out anything tainted with evil. Don't suppress the spirit. Keep your spirituality, but at the same time, family, don't be gullible. You check people out. You investigate. You inspect Check out everything, and then after you've checked it out, after you've sifted it, after you've searched it, keep what's good. And what else do you do? You know what you do with the trash. You throw it out. Now, you might say, okay, nah, pastor. You're here talking about that we need to make sure we investigate. We don't need to give anybody our trust. But when you first meet somebody, you got to give them a little trust. If you don't give them any trust, how can you ever build trust? You, you got to, during the first engagement, you got to give them something, right? Well, and, and, you're, and you're correct. I agree with that. But here's the thing I'm going to share with you. I don't, I don't consider that initial Reliance, trust. It's, it's an initial reliance, but it's, it's not trust. Here, here, here's how I, how, I, how I see it. I consider it more of a, of a hope. A hope that you will do what you say you're going to do. And if you want to throw the word trust on there, hey, look at this. I say it like this. I give you a little trust on credit. <laughs> right? I, I, give you, I give you a little trust on credit. And, you know, trust on credit is a good way to think about it. Say, say trust on credit. Trust. Yeah, a little, little, trust, little trust on credit. You know, here's what I think. Consider this. When you have somebody who say, let's say they're in a relationship. They're in a, say this, in a, in a, in a marriage, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. But you have one of those persons break trust. Now, if that's a husband-wife situation, if you're talking to that man, and part times I've talked to men, they say stuff like this. And in your mind, you'd be like, I don't even know why you're saying that. But you got to listen to it. But, but here is, here's what I mean. Like, they'll say stuff like, like they, they done messed up. They'll say stuff like, you know what? I've told her that I don't do that no more. But every time I leave the house, she keep asking me where I'm going. <laughs> and my response is, of, of course, you, you broke trust. She can say, listen, I, I told him I, that's not me anymore. But he's still acting like he don't believe me. Of course. You, you broke trust. 
People fail to realize that trust reflects a credit score. They don't think of it like that. But it's true. Trust reflects a credit score. Look at, look at, it, look at it this way. At the initial engage, engagement between you and me, your credit score is unknown. <laughs> it's unknown. I, when I first see you and your eyes meet my eyes, if it's Greta, I ain't know who, I ain't know her. <laughs> Did but I heard a little bit of this trust thing on credit. You feel me? <laughs> but when you first meet somebody, their, their, their credit score to you is unknown. Their credit score, so, so you, you, you float them that initial reliance on credit. You float it to them. Because you don't know them. Right now, as far as I'm concerned, no matter how you look, no matter how you present yourself, no matter what the words are you say to me, your credit score to me is unknown. Yes. It's unknown, so I loan you some trust. And between us, you know, your, your credit score, which to me is unknown, it's got room to grow. Yes. It's got room to build. Because right now, I don't know you, but I, I loan you a little bit of trust right now on credit. Now, the, the, the more you come through, the higher your credit score climbs. And if you keep coming through, your credit score reaches that highest level, and that highest level reads trustworthy. You know what I mean? When you reach that level of trustworthiness, you know, that's that level where I am not necessarily questioning everything you say to me. I am not looking for you to have some ulterior motive. I'm thinking that everything you're telling me is right and pure. Why? Because you've reached that point to where you are trustworthy. Girl, you got that good credit. <laughs> My brother, you got that 850. You feel what I'm saying? You, you, you up there. Why? Because our history together has told me that you are worthy of my trust. And once you are worthy of my trust, I don't question your motives. I don't question you're trying to get over on me. I don't trust, I, I trust that you're not lying to me. Why? Because your history says you are worthy of my trust. Trustworthy describes itself in reverse. I, I, am, I, am, I am looking at you and taking you for face value. Yes. Because your history has proven that I can. And from a trust exchange standpoint, you got that good credit. <laughs> and with good credit, you can get just about anything. With that good credit, you can call me anytime. With that good credit, I don't clock watch saying that you're going to be here at 9. I'm not concerned that you're going to be here at 1030. It can be 8.59 when you got that good credit at 9 o'clock, that doorbell going to ring. 
I got confidence in that. Why? Because I have called you trustworthy. When you say you're going to pick me up, I don't let other people come and tell me, well, you want to ride because ain't nobody here yet. No, my friends say they're going to be here. And if they ain't getting no car accident, they're going to be here. Why? Because they trustworthy. When you trustworthy, I don't I don't have to give you a hundred dollars on a loan and then track you on Facebook to see where you at. They over getting that. They well, you I know why y'all laughing. Y'all been doing that. Facebook stalkers, you're a bunch of Facebook stalkers. They borrowed that money from me and now they at the hotel on the beach. I know they spending my money. They told me they want to pay their light bill and they they bought Tyco with your money. You feel what I'm saying? Got lipo looking like Michael with your money. You know what I'm saying? Here is what you don't do when you got somebody that's trustworthy. I don't check up on you. I don't care what you're doing. Because when you said you're going to pay me back, you're going to pay me back. Go to Disney World, go to Bush Gardens, go to California, take your cruise to Alaska. I don't care what you're doing with your money because if you a trustworthy friend to me, I know my money coming back to me when you said. Why? Because your history has said that you are worthy of my trust. Trustworthy. Labeling somebody as trustworthy is a process that describes itself in reverse. But now here we go. Because we said that it, it, it's, it's essentially, it's, it's a credit score system. And because it's a credit score system, if you mess up, your credit score takes a hit. You see, I can have that 850. But when I miss that mortgage payment, somewhere in the system, somebody calls somebody else and some data flows to somebody else and say, uh-oh. Let's start looking at Benjamin again. We didn't have no issue with him as long as he continued to be pristine. It works the same way. Your trust level can be great credit. But if you mess up, though, your credit score can take a hit. How does it take that hit? It can take a hit. And as it goes down, it's going to go down depending on how bad or how often you default on your trust loan. How bad or how often you default on your trust loan is going to dictate the course of our trust relationship. You see, minor errors, minor breaks in trust, that might have small effect on your trust goal. Major issues, though, with trust that can cause a deeper decline. 
If you have a more serious error, it can be devastating. And once you have that devastating issue, then the lender, the person issuing the trust, let's say it's me, once you have a serious break in trust, I then find it difficult emotionally and, 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 and mentally and, 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 and just in reality, I find it hard to now float you another trust loan. Why? Because I've now deemed that you have bad credit. It happens that same way in the natural. You see, you don't know the value of good credit until you need to get some. If you have good credit, everybody wants to lend to you. If you have good credit, guess what? Your interest rate is lower. If you have good credit, people will do stuff for you that's not even written in their handbook. I usually don't do this. Keep talking. Because I know this 850 in your face. I know you know this business deal right here going to be the real deal. You ain't got to worry about me. But when you got bad credit, you got to find somebody to lend to you. When you got bad credit, the going rate can be 4%. They want to hit you with 12. 20. 20. I got it on good authority, Ms. Jackson, is 20%. 20%. Why? Because you got bad credit. That's why I keep checking up on you. Because you've proven to me that you got bad credit. That's why, yeah, I know you need some assistance with paying your car note, and you say that I can, you know, get that paid back later, later, but I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Why? Because the simple fact that you say it is not a good reason for me to trust you. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust you that way. I, I, I trust you because of what? what you say historically has lined up with what you do. Yes. When it comes to this lender, your credit score is just too low. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. King James Version, verse 8. Trust. Everybody is a proof-supported element. Trust isn't blind. Trust is something that is based on more certainty. So you have trust is proof-supported, but that shouldn't be a novel concept for believers. The simple fact that we say that trust should be truth-supported, that's that's... That's, that shouldn't be new to us as believers. As a matter of fact, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Here's God. God says, will a, man, will, a, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offering. You are cursed with a curse, 
for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And what? Prove me. That's, 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 that's a system. That's a system. God said, I don't mind giving you proof. I don't mind giving you proof of, 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 of what you need to trust me. That shouldn't be a new concept for us as believers. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour, out, and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Go to Proverbs 3, starting in verse 5, King James Version. God does not mind being proven out. He don't mind that at all. Proverbs 3, King James Version, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Trust in the Lord, it's saying, you know what? He will prove himself to you. Trust in him and he shall direct your path. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33 in the NIV Bible. Jesus expresses these words. He said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you have need of them. Verse 33, family, but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek God first and he will prove himself of supplying your everyday need. Trust and proof go hand in hand. Look at Psalms chapter 34, verse 8, King James Version. God is saying, extend, your, ex extend me some confidence and I'll prove myself to you. I'll come through. In another example, the psalmist in Psalm 34 recommends this to its reader. Verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. The idea there is that if you extend trust to God, he won't let you down. It is a proving concept. Now, when you look at that verse 8, if you just pick up right there, it may feel like or seem like that verse 8 is asking you to do that. You know, I said float a little bit of trust on credit. It feels like they're saying taste and see. And then watch God come through. But the psalmist, if you go up a little bit, the psalmist kind of clears some good stuff up for us. If you look in verse four, it reads, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So the God, he's telling you to taste and see that God is good. Why? Because God has already come through for him. He already know God got good credit. 
He's just asking you to figure it out for yourself. Verses four through eight in the Message Bible. God met me more than halfway. That's Psalm 34, verses four through eight, Message Bible. God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. Look at him. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. When I was desperate, I called out and God got me out of a tight spot. God's angel sets up a circle of protection around us while we pray. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Taste and see God is good for yourself. And he will prove to you how good he is. God does not mind us proving him out. He don't mind that at all. And if God don't mind being proved out, how much more should we prove people that come in our life? God said, try me and see. So you know what I'm going to do when you come my way? I'm going to try you and see. I'll take it even one step further. I'll ask you this question because I want to make sure I cover all bases. Did you know that trust is not truly transferable? It's not transferable. And why do I bring this part of it up? You've, you've, you've seen somebody come with somebody and say, hey, this is so-and-so. You can trust them. You've, you've been in that situation, especially if you, if you have been involved in some, or you maybe even run a, a business. You always get people that have other people they want to plug into your, your situation. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, trust is not transferable. Not true trust, not real trust. It's not transferable. No, no, it ain't. No, no, not that you said that. I'm saying it in my mind. No, it's not. I don't care what nobody tell you. It's not transferable. Here, let me, let, me, let, me, let me lay this down for you because I have firsthand experience with this and, and, and I must have firsthand experience with it to share it with you. And when you're talking about trusting someone, that trust don't really come to bear until you have firsthand experience with them. That's when the trust come in. So here I am. Assume, assume that I'm, I'm a homeowner. Everybody knows that. For those of you who don't know, I'm a homeowner and for those, those who really know me, I was three, three months in getting a kitchen project done for some reason. But it's close to finishing now, but let's keep, let's, let's, let's praise God. I ain't gonna let that one go by. Yes, thank you, my sister. But let's, let's, let's hit this scenario real quick because I'm a homeowner. And if you're a homeowner, if you ever dealt with a property of any kind, you will get this. Let's say that I have a person that I always turn to to do, you know, handyman construction work for me around my property. Let's say that the person's name is Richard. Now, I trust Richard. I've been dealing with Richard for a long time. You know what Richard do? He show up when he say he going to show up. Richard do the job that he said he was going to do in excellence. 
If there's anything that's the matter, Richard comes right out, no problem. Benjamin, I'll be right out to take care of that. Richard finishes the job when he say he's going to. And his estimates are pretty close to what he charged me. I have labeled Richard in my life as trustworthy. But now I need a painter. And Richard tells me that he knows of one. Joe. So I say, okay. I, I call Joe up and I'm going to have Joe do some painting for me. Now let me ask you, on, on, on whose credit is the relationship between Joe and I writing? It's on Richard's credit. Because Joe ain't got no credit with me. Because, you see, trust is not transferable. I need to have my own history with you before I deem that you're trustworthy. So here I am. Essentially, Joe has a form of trust, but it's on Richard's credit. Now, my history with Joe and my frequency of engagement with him it's the only thing that's going to get him to that level with me of being trustworthy. Now, what happened if Joe mess up? You see, Richard then co-signed on something. I'm going to tell you right now, be careful on what you co-sign. Those of you who have friends and relatives and people trying to get you to co-sign on stuff, look at here. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm, wait, you grown. I ain't going to tell you what to do. I don't co-sign. I don't co-sign. I don't need to pick up an obligation because you didn't have credit good enough to get it on your own. What I need to do is teach you how to get good credit. I don't need to be obligated. See, what happens is now if he gets there and he jack up my house and he mess up stuff or Richard and giving me a little electrician because he can't show up, call Jimmy. He's a good electrician. And then he scorched my house because he can't wire things right. All of a sudden, whether Richard wanted to or not, he didn't co-sign on something. You see, being trustworthy that is a process that comes through history, and that history first says that you're worthy of my trust before I extend you my trust. Therefore, trustworthy is a process that describes itself in reverse. Trustworthy is an earned label. It is not something that you hand out blindly. Your trust in somebody needs to be something that you hand out with the assurance that you have tested and you have proven that the person that is receiving your trust is not going to damage it. In a longer form, I would say it this way. When you call somebody trustworthy, what you're saying is that I have proven through my relationship with you, that you are worthy of my trust because you have successfully come through on your promises consistently in the past. 
my trust in you is a declaration of what you have earned. Say this with me. My trust in you, trust in you is, something is something that you earn. Here's where we close up for today. As I talk to my children, I started that development of trust, common sense while they were young. Because when you're young, you have so many authorities that you're subject to. Your teachers, your coaches, and I knew from just being grown, just because that person called himself your coach, it don't mean you should trust them. They don't always have your best interest at heart. You look at what they say and see if what they say line up with what they do. You be wiser. Because as much as your father will defend you, if you keep falling for the same scam, you part of the problem. I know that's your teacher. I know who he is. I know who she is. But here's what you must do. You must search and prove and find for yourself. Don't blindly trust them because they are Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. That's my direction to you. I am in no way asking you to lay down the spiritual. But in everything that we're talking about in developing your common sense and in making you that uncommon believer and making you that person that don't fall in the same trap over and over again and making you that person that has resolve is to teach you one thing. That is to be wiser for yourself. Because in every situation that you ever come across, there is one person I know that will always be there, and that's you. So the better I can make you, the better I can make your outcome. We'll chat it up some more next week. Let's pray. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.